You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, there is a heavenly throne room from whence God the Holy Trinity rules and reigns in the earth. We don't have throne rooms in the United States, at least not that I know of, so you have to imagine it. Or you have to maybe remember the different glimpses of this heavenly throne room that we get in the Scriptures. Most famously, perhaps, we remember the book of Revelation, which is over and over bringing John into that place where the 24 elders are gathered around the throne of God and they're throwing their crowns before the Lord in worship. Isaiah stood in the throne room of God when the train of the... Lord's glory filled the temple and he saw the four living creatures around the throne singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. It's the heavenly throne that Ezekiel sees in the lesson that we had today from Ezekiel 1. The brightness of the glory of the Son of God standing on the throne with the four angels underneath the throne carrying it around. It's this throne and this throne room and the activity around it that is, now this is maybe a bold statement, but I think it's true. This activity around the throne is the main thing in the Scriptures. Well, remember, for example, Moses, who was brought into the heavenly throne room when he was in the cloud of the glory of God on top of Mount Sinai, and the Lord told Moses to make a copy of all the things that he was seeing And so Moses builds the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and the table of showbread and the bronze laver and the altar and and he institutes the priesthood and all the sacrifices to be a copy of what he saw in the heavenly throne room. In fact, the whole Old Testament worship is instituted for that reason to give us a picture on earth of how things are in heaven. So just even consider this. Remember how Moses made a curtain in front of the Holy of Holies, and on that curtain there was two angels. And then inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant with two more angels there. Well, why these four angels? Because around the throne of God, there are these four living creatures that attend His presence. So the pictures of the angels in the tabernacle were pictures of the heavenly reality. Or even just think of this, that the the Ark of the Covenant, remember, that's there in the Holy of Holies, has on the top of it the mercy seat. That itself is a picture of the heavenly throne, the sapphire throne that Ezekiel saw in chapter 1. Now this heavenly throne room is important, so important, that the Lord wants us to know the things that are happening there. And the liturgy of the tabernacle of the Old Testament, with the priests going in and offering the sacrifices and burning the incense and everything else that's happening, was a picture of what was happening in heaven. That's why, by the way, one of the reasons that God gets so upset whenever they do it wrong. Whenever the priests worship wrong, whenever the, the sacrifices are offered in a wrong way, it's, it's, it's lying about how it is with God in heaven. It's lying about the heavenly throne room. So God also, in the Old Testament, would bring the prophets into the heavenly throne room to see and to hear the things that were happening there, and then they would go forth and preach to the people the things that they saw and the things that they heard. So just as an example, here's Jeremiah 23. And listen to how Jeremiah, how the Lord, to Jeremiah, describes the false prophets. Jeremiah 23, verse 16 and following. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hope, 
They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it will be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. Who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Who has paid attention to his word and listened? You see, the false prophets have not stood in the counsel of the Lord. They have not stood in the heavenly throne room. Or if they have, they are not reporting accurately what they heard and what they saw there down on earth. The true prophets, on the other hand, have stood in that place. They've visited that place. They've stood before the throne of God. They've listened to the conversation that was happening there between the Father and the Son, and they come down to earth to report it. So if the Lord is plotting destruction, now the prophets hear the plot, and they bring it to the people. If the Lord is plotting good things, they hear the plot, and they bring it to the people. It turns out that the conversation of the heavenly throne room, this is just really quite stunning, is the conversation of the death of Jesus. But that's getting a little ahead of ourselves. I think, uh, now I've got a list, and this list keeps getting longer, like every time I make it, and maybe even after today it might get longer as well. But I have a list of the things that happen in the heavenly throne room, and I think that there's at least five things that we can identify from the Scriptures that happen before the throne of God in heaven. And I want you to pay attention, as you, just, as you read and study your own Bible, I want you to pay attention to the, to the activity that's happening around the throne of God. So here are, the, here are the five things. Number one, conversation. This is the main thing that's happening there. There is conversation between the different persons of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in eternal conversation with one another. And the angels and the saints and even the prophets are brought into that conversation. Much of the conversation that's happening there has to do with the Lord's plans to destroy the people, to punish sin. But most of the conversation has to do with the Lord's plan and work of salvation and how he will accomplish it. Second, that throne room is a court. God sits on the throne in judgment. We remember just in the ancient world that that was one of the roles of the king, right? Like Solomon, who sat on the throne, and they would bring cases before him, and he would make a judgment on who was, on who was guilty and who was innocent. So in the throne room of God, there is a court being, there's court being held, and sinners are brought before the Lord. They're being accused of their sins, and Jesus stands in the heavenly court as our advocate and our friend, defending us. It's from the throne of God that the verdict of your innocence, the forgiveness of your sins, comes forth. And this is stunning. I think we could spend just days thinking about how heaven is a court and our case is being heard and the blood of Jesus is being presented as the evidence and we are being declared innocent. That's just fantastic. We talk too much, we won't get to the transfiguration. So we've got to keep going. Part three. Petitions are being heard there. Prayers and requests are heard and answered in the heavenly courtroom. In the book of Revelation, John saw the, 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 the heavenly throne room filled with smoke, with incense. And he says the incense is the prayers of the saints, so that the heavenly court is filled with our prayers. And fourth, praise. The elders and the angels and all who enter there throw down their crowns and they praise the Lord They sing praises to God and to the Lamb, and they sing it eternally. And fifth, there is a sending or a commissioning that happens in the courtroom. 
The angels are sent out from the heavenly court to go and minister to the Lord's people. The prophets are sent out from the Lord's courtroom to go and and preach the things that the Lord sends them to preach. And even Jesus Himself is sent from the heavenly court to earth to be our Savior. So these five things, conversation, a courtroom, petitions, praise, and commissioning, these are all happening around this around this throne of God. Now, if you keep this in mind, I think you will see it now as you go back to, to the Scriptures. You'll see it all around the Scripture. Even we have it in the, intro, in the intro today. My soul long, yea, it faints for the courts of the Lord. This, that this longing to be in the Lord's presence or this understanding that the main things that are happening in the universe are happening right there. When Jesus ascended into heaven, this is where He went to sit at the right hand of the Father, the Lamb on the throne, ruling and reigning all things. So that the throne of God and the activity surrounding the throne of God and the theology of the throne of God is everywhere in the Scriptures. It's always there in the background of everything that's happening. And I think for us it needs to be in the background or even in the foreground of our own thinking as we come to the account of the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain. Because the things that happen in the transfiguration are pointing us to the, to the reality of the heavenly throne room. So just remember the story. Here's how it happened. Jesus had taken his disciples very far to the north. They were in the region of Caesarea Philippi, which about it's about as far away from Jerusalem as Jesus ever went during his earthly ministry. And he asked the disciples when they were way up there, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And they answered, and then they said, who do you say that I am? And you'll remember that Peter confessed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right, Peter, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And Jesus would then go on to tell the disciples that he had to suffer and die and be raised from the dead. And you remember what happened after he said this, that Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him. That's, that's a kind of a stunning thing to read, that Peter says to Jesus, look, no, it can't be this way. You can't die. Uh, you have to live. Don't talk about dying and all this sort of stuff. And Jesus turns right around and rebukes Peter. Get behind me, Satan he says. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but rather of the things of men. And Jesus really begins at this time to impress on his disciples that it was necessary for him to die. So as Jesus is trying to impress this lesson on the disciples, they travel even farther to the north perhaps to Mount Hermon. We don't know specifically what mountain the transfiguration happened on, but probably Mount Hermon, this huge high mountain in northern Israel. And Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up with them, high on the mountain, and when they were there on the mountain peak, he is transfigured before them, and his face glows and his clothes radiate with light. Mark tells us that the disciples were sleeping at first, and they missed the whole first part that Elijah and Moses show up, and they were taking counsel together with Jesus. And Luke tells us what they're talking about. Matthew doesn't give it to us. But Luke tells us that Jesus and Moses and Elijah were talking about his exodus or his departure. In other words, Jesus was there talking with Moses and Elijah about his death, about his crucifixion. So the disciples 
sleep through most of the conversation, and then they wake up, and they see that the conversation is ending, and they see that Moses and Elijah are about to depart, and Peter, not knowing what's going on, and also being very afraid, says, Lord, it's good for us all to be here. Let me build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But even as Peter is finishing his suggestion, a bright cloud covers the mountain, And the voice of God the Father speaks. It's only the second time that we hear the voice of God the Father in the entire New Testament. The voice of God the Father comes from the radiant glory and says to Peter, James, and John, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. And the disciples fall on their face with fear. And they close their eyes because they can't stand this radiance. And Jesus comes to them and He touches them and He stands them up and they open their eyes. Jesus says, do not be afraid. And, they, and, and when they look up, the cloud is gone and Moses is gone and Elijah is gone and the glory shining from the face and from the clothes of Jesus is gone and they simply see Jesus alone standing there. And they come down off the mountain. And Jesus warns them not to tell anyone the vision until after he's raised from the dead. Now, if we are thinking about the heavenly throne room, and if we're thinking about the conversation of the heavenly council, then we look at the transfiguration of Jesus and say, hey, that's exactly what's going on. This transfiguration is the heavenly throne room brought down to earth. There is Jesus in His glory. There is the voice of God the Father. There is the conversation with God and the prophets. And now, and this is the incredible thing, and now the disciples themselves are brought into that conversation. And even more incredibly, you, dear saints, are brought into the conversation as well. And and this is the real glory of the transfiguration, is that we get to hear what the conversation is like in heaven. Do you remember when you were a kid and you knew your parents were talking about something important and you wanted to just be around the conversation? I remember especially when it was getting close to Christmas. (laughs) And I would always have something to do there on the floor behind the couch, you know, just... Playing with the trains, or whatever it was, while mom and dad were talking about Christmas presents, or there was a conversation about the family vacation, I would be conspicuously close by. Brian, mom would say, Brian, go to bed. <laughs> You're not supposed to hear this. But look, this is, this is how it is with heaven. It's, if you, it's almost like you want to, You want to go and you want to hear what it is that God the Father and Jesus are talking about, but instead of sending you away, He invites you into it. That's that's what's happening with James and John and Peter here. Jesus is inviting them into the conversation of the prophets and of God Himself so that they would know what the plans are, so that they would understand the heavenly wisdom. So that Peter would hear, especially Peter, but also James and John, would hear that the prophets, that Moses and Elijah and God the Father and God the Son are all plotting and talking about the death of Jesus on the cross. I mean, remember, it was just a few days earlier that Peter had tried to prevent Jesus from talking about the cross. But now Peter can see that this was the plan from the very beginning. 
From the very beginning. From the moment that Adam and Eve fell. This is what the conversation was about with the Father and the Son. This is what all the prophets saw and all the prophets preached. This death of Jesus on the cross is what the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have been planning all along. Now, how stunning for Peter and for James and John and for you and for me to see Jesus in in the full manifestation of his divine glory radiating with this light from his face and from his clothes. As glorious and as beautiful as he ever had appeared on earth, to see him standing there in all of this glory, talking about his death. Talking about his bleeding and dying. Talk about his suffering. So do you see, dear saints, that the transfiguration is not to teach us that Jesus is God in the flesh. The transfiguration is to teach us that Jesus is God in the flesh so that he can die for our sins. Now, I I don't know about you, but I've always wished that the gospel writers would have told us more about how it was in the conversation between Jesus and Moses and Elijah. I, it would just, how glorious it would be to just see what they actually said to each other. This is wonderful. I mean, we have to wait for the resurrection to eavesdrop on those conversations. But in a, in a, in a particularly profound way, we know what it was about. We know what they were planning. We know what they were plotting. It is the rest of the Gospels. As as we follow Jesus off of the Mount of Transfiguration and follow Him to Jerusalem and, and, and follow Him into His trial and into His suffering and into His condemnation and into the beating and 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 mockery, and into the crucifixion, we see the conversation that he had with Moses and Elijah unfolding. That's what they're talking about. And at last there, imagine this, as Jesus hangs on the cross, the heavenly throne room, this place where God the Father is holding forth this conversation, the heavenly throne room is open for all people to see. It's there, as the Son of God hangs, rejected by God and man, that the heart, the very heart of God is on display for the world. It's there, as the life of Jesus drains from His body, that we see what God has been planning the whole time from the very beginning. And it's your salvation. It's your forgiveness. It's your redemption. It's the death of God for the forgiveness of your sins. All along. So that God's throne, can you imagine? God's throne is a seat of mercy. God's plans are plans for your peace. God's plotting is a conspiracy to rescue you. God's conversation, the conversation of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is how to win, is how to win your redemption. And the mind of God, if you can imagine it, 
The mind of God is bent on making a way for you to live eternally. It's focused on your salvation. And he's done it. And it's accomplished. Because of the death of Jesus, there is now for you a sinner, you don't deserve it, there is now for you a seat in the heavenly throne room, a place for you to gather with the saints and the angels. There's a room that Jesus is preparing for you in the new heavens and the new earth so that where he is, you will be also. There is a way for you to come to that place and, a, and you are equipped to stand before God eternally. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of his righteousness, the heavenly throne will be in place forever where you stand and praise God and receive his glory. So God be praised. God be praised for the transfiguration. Not only that we see Jesus radiating with his divine goodness and glory, but also that we see the very mind of God and the plot of Jesus to go to the cross for you and win your life eternal. God be praised for this. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.